Can you feel the podcast tonight? This is The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas. I am Simba, son of Mufasa. Oh, Simba just can't wait to be king in The Lion King. It's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And a version of the famous moon landing that you've never seen before in Apollo 11. That's this week on The Cinema Crew. Hello and welcome to The Cinema Crew, the podcast that talks new movies every week. My name is Michael Campbell, but you can call me Cambo. And joining me, as always, is Vari McIntyre. Hello. And Dan Miranda. Hi. Now, your chance to win a Gold Class Double Pass coming up just a little later on, but first. Simba, look at the stars. Can you feel the love tonight? The great kings of the past... Look down on us from those stars. The peace the evening brings. Those kings will always be up there to guide you. The world for once in perfect harmony with all its living things. And so will I. This new remake of The Lion King has a stacked cast from Donald Glover, Beyonce, James L. Jones, Seth Rogen, John Oliver, Chiwetel Ejiofor, it goes on. And if that's not enough, it's also directed by Jon Favreau, the man behind the live-action Jungle Book and who kicked off a little something called the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It seems like a surefire hit, so can it possibly live up to these incredible expectations? What do you think, Dan? I think this film has every single thing going for it. Um, I personally, with the original Lion King animated film, I liked it, but it's not even in my top. I've got a top seven of animated Disney classics. It's not even the top seven for me. You've got a top seven? What? I've got a top seven animated. <laughs> but we'll go through them when we get to number yeah, right. one, when, that, when that's released. But um, I think The Lion King is such an excellent story to tell. And even though it's based off the story of Hamlet, mm-hmm. It's done in such a great way because I really fell in love with the story of The Lion King when I saw the stage musical. Um, and the reason for that is because it actually humanised the characters for me because even though you've got these incredible puppets and all these masks, there you've got the human actors there and you can really it really resonated with me. And I think a lot of these Disney remakes are are being retooled in a more contemporary way to, you know, fix potential issues or so societal issues that have come up since the originals came out. I don't feel The Lion King has anything to change. So it's got a really, for me, a perfect formula. And uh, perhaps we should say as well, this movie's been locked down tight. Mm. So we haven't even had the chance to have a screening of it yet. So we're going in just as blind as you are, dear listener. But uh, you, you're right. It's It's almost like... It needs to be like, is there a point to the remake or is it just a shot-for-shot remake? And that's the big question, I think. Like, one seems superfluous, similar to when Psycho was remade shot-for-shot for for seemingly no reason. But, um, like, if there is something to say, then I think that this is such a great vessel to say it because it is so beloved by so many Mm. people. There are definitely things to re-say in this film and they have done such a perfect job. And let me just clarify that this is like my top favourite Disney film. Your number one. Can I tell you, Zara, just how personal this goes? This is my earliest cinema memory is seeing The Lion King. You're younger than me. So this this one for me is like, oh my God, it's the first film I ever saw in theatres being back in theaters in a new way. Mm. And like, I, I watch a lot of movies in theaters, I mean, for this job. 
So there's something very personal about this for me, which is why my guard is up a little bit, but also my excitement is just as high. Yeah. Oh, my best friend and I in primary school would play out scenes from The Lion King. I was always Nala. She was always Simba. (laughs) Um, We loved the elephant graveyard scene in particular. So, yeah, I have a very personal connection to this (laughs) film as well. And what I didn't maybe notice or care about when I was that young when it came out in the 90s was the representation and that is something that is so in the forefront of society at the moment to have representation especially people of color so what this film has done has brought more people of color to the voice acting so as you said we've got Donald Glover and Beyonce um, voicing Simba and Nala instead of Matthew Broderick yeah Yeah, one of those two Better exemplifies a prince of Africa, doesn't mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm not going to make up your mind. You pick which one you think better <laughs> exemplifies that. But yeah, that's that's a really good point, actually. The the casting in this is it's one of the more diverse cast lists since I don't know. See, I I can't even remember the last cast list. Maybe, Aladdin. Maybe Aladdin. Yeah, that actually wasn't that longer. Mm. But <laughs> that was so inclusive for so many people. You live here. Well, we live wherever we want. We do as we please. If you want to live with us, you have to eat like us. Mm, mm-hmm. Extra crunchy. They're local. Yeah. Oh, are they? They're from right there. What's your plan for getting us past the slobbering guards? All we need to do is find something that's like big and juicy. Why is everyone looking at me? Yeah! Yeah, so they used a lot more technology in this as well. So they use motion capture via AR technologies. And John Favreau said that from his experience working on the Jungle Book and the technology advancements that we've got today, this is the best time to do Lion King because he's learned so much and they've employed all that. So, you know, even from the trailer, all of the characters, the lions and the, and the landscapes just look so realistic. And even though they've used motion capture for movement, I'm just a bit concerned about how much expression they can put on the lion's faces because that's that is such a thing in Disney movies that even animals they can make look human because they can give them eyebrows and they can make their faces contort with emotion and that's something you really can't do much with live action I'd say so I wonder how that's going to go that's true because even the Dumbo remake uh, Dumbo didn't necessarily look like a real elephant Mm. I mean he did like texturally you look like you could touch him but like his design was still cartoony, mm. whereas these look like lions. Real lions. There's yeah. nothing particularly cartoony about them. The only the only other thing that I will say as well is the cartoon is so like spectacularly bright and colourful, uh, but the movie looks a little bit like desaturated and uh, gritty. And I think they're like uh, Aladdin is actually a great example of where the big colourful bombastic Disney look really worked and I can't a part of me like you know the sunsets on the Serengeti and stuff like that there is something that would be so wonderful about seeing them so colorful and so bright mm. and I'm hoping that it's just like a trailer trick to to show the mood more than it is in the movie but I'm hoping that I don't try and make it look too real world I want a little bit of fantasy in I wouldn't it. mind if they made it too realistic I'm excited for that because the cartoon is always going to be there and this is something different so I wouldn't mind some more realisticness do we know if the animators actually did landscape sh- photography in Africa or not? I believe uh, I believe that this was all filmed in the United States. Oh. Uh, and similar to like The Jungle Book was filmed in California. <laughs> uh, and, and in fact, it's interesting that you brought that up uh, earlier about like the technology behind that is informing this. Because I remember when The Jungle Book came out, I thought, this is amazing. They never left a soundstage in California 
to film this jungle. Mm. And now looking at the Lion King, I'm like, the jungle bullet looks terrible. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I, like comparatively, the improvements they've made, it's baffling to think that they didn't go to the plains of Africa mm. to, to shoot this at all. It's all fake and I can't believe anything I ever see anymore. You can't. <laughs> and, and I think also in terms of Disney movies being remade into live action, all the, uh, all the places that you think of that they take place are all, you've got the African plains, you've got the, the jungle of Africa, um, Agrabah, which is Aladdin. Like yeah. All these places are so far off. Can we even imagine a live action Little Mermaid? Oh, that's it. <laughs> you, it must be coming. Is that your number one? That's my number one. <laughs> I love the water. Also still in cinemas, Stuba. An Uber driver trying to get five stars. Uh, Booksmart. A female spin on Superbad. And Crawl. Move over, Meg. It's time for the alligators. <laughs> you can hear about all of those movies and, in fact, everything that's playing in cinemas right now in our back catalogue, which you can access exclusively from any podcast app you'd like. I'd like to know what you feel uh, as far as the responsibilities of representing mankind on this trip. That's uh, relatively difficult to, to answer. Uh, it's a job that, that we collectively said that, that was possible and we could do. And, and of course, that the nation itself is backing us. So we just sincerely hope that we measure up to that. July 20, 1969 is the date that man first landed on the moon. And we've seen the famous footage of Neil Armstrong saying his famous line as his foot hits the lunar surface for the first time. Well, the new documentary Apollo 11 manages to offer you something completely new. A brand new look at this incredible mission loaded with never before seen footage. So does it manage to make the Apollo missions cool again, Vari? Uh, when was it not cool for a start? Uh, but what this does do is give us, as you said, never before seen archival footage that has been restored to an amazing, pristine, modern type look to it. So it's not this grainy yeah. old footage that you remember from the 60s. This is some modern stuff. And I think as a context of how good the footage has been cleaned up, Vari, at one point you asked me, is this real? <laughs> no, I think, yeah, at the beginning of the film, I was like, oh, they did yeah. such a good job at making it look like it's from the 60s. And you were like, no, no, it's real. And I was shocked because I didn't realise that this was a documentary. I just go into these movies. I have no <laughs> idea what I'm watching. So I was very pleasantly surprised. Um, so this one is a different type of documentary. I know that's going to put a lot of people off maybe. They don't like docos. That sounds boring and dry. But... It's shot so much like a film. It doesn't use interviews or voiceover or anything like that. It is literally just presents the archival footage. It's got people that have been there in headquarters. Um, oh, what do they call it? Um, ground control. All these. Houston. Yeah, Houston, in Houston. Um, so people talking on the microphones back and forth to each other, giving information in that way, but nothing, there's no exposition from an outside source. They just present it as it is. It's kind of documentary in the most 
raw form, which mm. is they present exactly what happens in the sequence that happens. And you're right, they don't have to rely on people being like, and see what was actually happening mm. here. It's so well presented. It's so well preserved. And the footage is so incredible. So incredible mm. that you don't need any of that. They score it like they would score a film. Um, they edit it very slickly, uh, similar to how you would edit a narrative film. It just happens to all be real. Yeah. Yeah. And I, can I just say, as the documentary plays out chronologically in the events that they happen, um, I just, because we all know that man went to the moon, although some disagree, uh, <laughs> but, but I feel like even though we know the outcome of this story, the stakes were so high. Right. And I was like, you know, my heart was beating. Yeah, and like, like white knuckles. White knuckles. The, 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 the moment that the rocket leaves, my heart <laughs> was probably be- beating harder than it was for the actual uh, astronauts, which I think I wrote down was between 88 and 110 beats per uh, minute, yeah, which so, I'm thinking. That's resting. That's nothing. That's just resting. That's resting for some people. <laughs> I, I, ch- I checked this in the theatre. Because uh, uh, like my watch uh, monitors mm. the heart rates, and it said Buzz Aldrin was at 88 beats yes. per minute, and I looked and I was at 89 Shit. beats per minute, and I was sitting in a gold class chair watching this movie, <laughs> yeah. and he was less stressed than me. <laughs> Apollo 11 has very simply been given the mission of carrying men to the moon, landing them there, and bringing them safely back. What I think is the real power of this documentary is that it shows you things that you, I guess, didn't even consider. Mm. One of one of the most interesting to me is it really shows the fact that these astronauts had to film themselves the whole time. And just the idea that you can see uh, a different angle of the famous moment that Neil Armstrong steps off the, the landing thing uh, is mind-blowing. But not only that, but there's footage of him then adjusting the tripod and moving it along. And you're like, oh, yeah, they had to set everything up themselves. They had to film this themselves, which is a, a, something that we've never seen before. Yeah, we've had so many movies about this event and so many people know that classic line that Neil Armstrong says as he steps down onto the moon. But what people tend to forget or haven't been shown is that they're actually scientists. They didn't just like say that line, jump around and go back into the spaceship. <laughs> they were there to conduct experiments. They left uh, things behind to measure things on the moon and he picked up some rocks and dust and things for experiments and there's this one point where he's like shoving it back into his pocket but obviously there's no gravity and he can't (laughs) really see or control his hand he's got these big gloves and he's talking to someone at ground control like is it in my pocket and they're like just just a little (laughs) bit to the left just yep you've got it (laughs) and one thing i think it does really well is because in my naive state i just think they took a rock to the moon landed (laughs) came back But it has these really interesting little Pong animations that show the route as the rocket left the Earth and had to do an orbit around the Earth before it went off in its trajectory towards the moon and like how all the the pieces of that rocket fell apart and formed this. And And it's so great because they do it in the style of how it would have looked in the 60s. Yeah. You're right, like you say, like Pong, like it's little 8-bit animations Mm. similar to what the screens in Houston would have shown. And even the music is all composed with instruments that were around in the time period of the mission. Yeah. So everything is so like period authentic 
And I know that it's just us geeking out right now. Mm. But the fact that I, I would say we all have varying taste in movies. Yep. And we all were fascinated with this film. Really shows how good it is. And it, it's it's such an incredible feat. And I bet people didn't think in an episode that we're also talking about The Lion King mm. that we'd all be gushing over the space <laughs> documentary yeah. that releases the same week. <laughs> but it seems almost arbitrary at this point because I think it's clear that we all really enjoyed it. Mm. But who do you think should see this film? Anyone who thinks they know everything about Apollo mm. 11. Yeah. Because I guarantee that they will leave knowing something that they didn't. Yeah, if you like the movies like um, Hidden Figures and First Man and this sort of puts all that information together, you've got all these different perspectives, even like from The Dish, that Australian classic film from like 2000, I think. <laughs> it's like all these perspectives and this is like the result of it. This is what has come from it. And I would even go as far as to say, even if you don't think this sounds good, Give it a go because I don't think any of us were particularly like super on board with it because I thought, well, I, I, I kind of know all this. And, you know, uh, it's it's one it's the best documentary I've watched all year, maybe in a, a couple of years. Your chance to win a gold class double pass, simply head to the Village Cinema's Facebook or Instagram page, look for the Cinema Crew post and answer the question. What's your favourite Disney movie? Well, you've given away yours, Dan, but I'm curious on what all the listeners' favourite is. Now, simply leave your answer with the hashtag, the Cinema Crew, for your chance to win. Next week, a tale of a man who went from a Nazi to a soccer hero in The Keeper, and even more soccer with the documentary Diego Maradona. Until then, thank you, Vari. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. My name is Michael Campbell, and this has been The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas.